Quit talking. All right, now that we got rid of Cam. <clears throat> okay, let's pray real quick, guys. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, I come to you this morning, Lord, just to once again thank you for the opportunity to be in your house, to open your Bible, Lord, and to look into your word, and Lord, to hear more about, about what you would have us do, Lord, and how you would have us to live, Lord, according to your word. I ask you just to be with us today, Lord. Keep our minds and our hearts open, Lord. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. So we are, uh, we're still talking about <clears throat> walking by faith, and, and uh, we talked a lot about it last week, and, and how you have faith in a God you cannot see, you know, and that's what faith is, and, and, and we're talking about this, but what about, and then we got into what saving faith was, we started kind of getting into that, you know, you're, you're saved by your faith in Christ, but it's also you're saved by faith in the salvation that God gives you, and that's your saving faith. But we're going to look at, we're going to continue looking at that today, and looking at some elements of, of saving faith. And let's start off in, in John <clears throat> chapter twenty. John chapter twenty. <clears throat> let's look at this a little bit. John chapter twenty. And we're going to read verses 30 and 31. John 20, verses 30 and 31. And the Bible says, And many other signs truly did Jesus in, in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book. But these are written that ye might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you might have life through his name. Okay, so it's talking about the, the stuff he did, the, 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 the miracles that he did, the signs and wonders that he did. They were done not to, to show that he was, you know, all-powerful or he had some, you know, like, you know, it was not about lifting him up. It was about showing that he was the Son of God. He had that power given to him through, from God, his Father. And, and we talk about this. Is, this is, it was left for us. It says, it says that and it, these things were done that believing that you might have life through his name. Okay? He left this. These were done for knowledge. Okay? And this knowledge was to, to build your faith in him. He was not just a regular guy. He wasn't just a, a carpenter's son, right? And you know, we know certain facts about God, and we know certain facts about Christ. We know facts about sin. Uh, we know facts about our faith because we've read them. We know facts about repentance. And, and this, is, this is what the content of faith is, is the, these facts that were given in the Bible and, and that are also recorded in history books that are not the Bible. Those facts are what leads us to understand and have the knowledge of Christ, and that is our faith. You're having faith in a real man. Jesus was on this earth. He was born here. He died here. He was real. He did miracles that nobody else could do unless God gave them that power. So we have that knowledge, and that knowledge should lead us to the faith that we have in Christ, right? <clears throat> and um, let's look at Matthew chapter 12. I mean, I'm sorry, chapter 13. Talking about this saving, saving faith. Matthew chapter 13. 
Matthew chapter 13 and verse 23, the Bible says, But he that received seed into the good ground is he that heareth the word and understandeth it, which also beareth fruit and bringeth forth some a hundredfold, some sixtyfold, some thirty. Okay, that's us right there. It says that you received the seed. You received what? What God gave you into good ground, right? And you understood it, right? You understood it and you had faith in God's word. And that's, that's the affirmation of your faith. You, you must personally accept all the facts in the Bible as true. And we talked about that last week. It's not just some of the facts of the Bible. You can't pick and choose. You can't say, well, I don't think creation was really six days. No. And wait a minute. You know, did God really, did he really, after he came off that cross, did he really rise up or did they just hide his body? No, he really rose. He was out of here, right? And, and you have to accept all those facts as true. And that's your saving faith. That's your faith. And understanding that, you apply those to your life. And, and you, then when you do that, when you accept the saving faith, you agree or you approve those facts, right? So if you accept Christ as your Savior, you have to agree that every word of this Bible from the very beginning of Genesis to the very end of Revelations is completely 100% true. You can't accept part of it. Because if you don't believe part of it, There's no way you have saving faith. You just can't. You can't pick and choose the Bible. If you do that, you're playing Christian. Okay? You're not real. You're fake. Because you don't have... How can you have faith in in only part of the Word of God and still say He has enough power to save you? It doesn't work that way. Okay? And, And this occurs when you hear... Hear what? You hear the Word of God. You hear His gospel, right? When you hear it and you understand it, that's when you come to that 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 level of faith and that's how you grow your faith by what hearing more of the word of god hear preaching hear sunday school you know constantly just building yourself up building yourself up and i the the the, uh the example that that brother Eric used many years ago that never got away from me was you know you feed your spirit by praying by sunday school by church attendance but by reading your Bible, that's the number one, right? And you feed your spirit. So what if we only fed our physical body as little as we feed our spirit? How weak would our physical body be? If you didn't eat three meals a day and you didn't do some kind of exercise and get up and move around, you would be just a waste, right? So where's your spiritual body? If you do not feed your spirit the word of God, you will have no faith. If you don't feed your spiritual, or your physical body food and water, you have no strength. It's the exact same thing, but it's on a spiritual basis, right? And then let's go to Acts chapter 16, verse 31. Acts chapter 16 and verse 31. And the Bible says, And they said, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved, and thy house. And thy house. Okay, he's talking about the household, right? So, right here, you have to trust. You have to trust the Word of God. The Word of God says that if you believe, if you believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, you will be saved. And then it has a, has a little piece of another promise there. And your household. So, 
a family that doesn't know God and one in that somebody in that family could be a child, it could be the father, it could be the mother, they come to Christ, then that family has an opportunity to be saved. But if nobody ever comes to Christ, guess what that family has? Zero percent chance, right? Somebody has to come to Christ in that family, and they become the missionary to that family. Okay? And, and that's what you have to do. You have to trust God's word. And what does God's word say right here? We have to trust this. If you don't believe this statement, that if you believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, that you shall be saved and your household, if you don't believe that, you have no faith. You have to trust God's word. You have to rely on it. You have to know that that's God's affirmation to you. You have to accept the person and the work of Jesus Christ. If you do not do that, you have no faith. Okay? And what did Jesus do for us? He forgave us. You have to believe in forgiveness. Okay? So if you did something, whatever sins you've done, if you carry that the rest of your life and it bothers you and eats at you, God's already forgiven you if you've truly been saved. So then you have to let it go. It has to be done. Okay? That's the basis of forgiveness and salvation. Forgive and let it go. Move on. Now you spend your time, instead of brooding about what you've, the sins you've done, now you spend your time serving Christ. Okay? And that's, that's what it is. Jesus Christ is the object of our saving faith. Okay? He is the cornerstone, remember? He's the keystone. He's everything. And he is the origin of saving faith. Without Jesus Christ, there would be no faith. And there would be no salvation. We have to understand that and we have to believe that. So you have to believe everything the Bible says about Jesus Christ. And there's people, there's Christians out here that will argue, well, they're not Christians. We know they're playing Christians. But there's people that will say they're Christians and then argue that, oh, that, that Jesus didn't really do that. You know, oh, he didn't do that. They like to say that he made water into wine so they can go drink, right? But they don't believe the rest of it. So they have no faith. They're fake, okay? So let's go to Matthew, uh, back to Matthew chapter 16, verse 17. <clears throat> Matthew 16, verse 17. Matthew 16, verse 17. The Bible says, and you have to believe this, right? And Jesus answered and said unto him, Blessed art thou, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood hath not revealed it unto thee, but my Father which is in heaven. Okay? So this is talking about that saving faith. Saving faith is different from other faith which people have on this earth, right? You, you have faith that that pew is going to keep holding you up, right? Or you wouldn't have sat on it. Right? You have faith that when you go outside today and you hop in your car, when you hit the key, that it's going to start and drive off. But this is completely different, right? Saving faith is not ordinary human trust in something, okay? Because we're trusting something human. Saving faith is trusting Jesus Christ. We can't see Jesus, He's not here. Some people did see Him, we didn't get to do that. We can't see God. But we have to have faith that Jesus Christ saved us. That's saving faith. And the saving faith is not a merely like a change of, of objects or, or you know, we're, we're, we're accepting something different. You know, like, okay, I had faith in this, uh, but now I'm going to have faith in this guy named Jesus. No, you can't 
he's not a substitute for something else that you already believed. He has to be the number one thing you have faith in. He is your salvation. Okay? There's nothing else. And then there's people that, people that teach there's thousands of different ways to heaven. No, there may be a thousand different ways to hell. There's only one way to heaven, you know? One way, and that's through Jesus Christ, and that's who you have to have faith in. And let's go to, to 1 Peter chapter 1. 1 Peter chapter 1. First Peter chapter 1, verse 23. The Bible says, Being born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible, by what? By the word of God, which liveth and abideth forever. You have to believe that. You have to believe that the Bible is the word of God, and you have to believe that it abides forever. It lives forever. Okay? If, if this earth lasts another 10,000 years, this word will not change. It is going to be exactly the same. And it's going to have the same meaning. It's going to have the same saving faith that it's always had, right? Saving faith does not orig- or originate in like a sense of a, an experience or even a, a historical investigation where you find saving faith. No, faith is not simply resting on the sufficiency of evidences. And that's what science does. Science says, okay, well, we can have faith in this because we can prove this by the scientific method. No, you can't prove Christ by a scientific method. You have to have faith in him that he came to this earth, he had his ministry, and he was crucified, and he rose and went to heaven. That's what you have to have faith in. There's no other evidences except this Bible. So if you don't have 100% faith in this Bible, you don't have 100% faith in Christ. You don't have that saving faith. And it's very hard... I know, for me, I know it's hard to, to, to comprehend. And that was my biggest thing coming to salvation is how can I have faith? And I would, I would argue with Brother Larry. How can you have faith in a God you can't see? It just blew me away. But that's it. You have to. That's saving faith. Let's go to 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians chapter 1. First Corinthians chapter 1, verse 21. The Bible says, For after that, in, in the wisdom of God, the world by wisdom knew not God. It pleased God by the foolishness of, of preaching to save them that believe. Okay? Let's look at another one. First Corinthians chapter 2, verses 4 through 5. 1 Corinthians chapter 2. And read 4 through 5. The Bible says, and, and my speech and my preaching was not with enticing words of man's wisdom, but in demonstration of the Spirit and of power, that your faith should not stand in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. What is your faith going to stand in? It's, this saving faith that we're talking about does not, or, does not have its origins in human reason, and it doesn't stand on human reason. If you, if you try to explain saving faith or even understand saving faith through human reason and human ideology, it makes no sense. That's what I was doing. How can you believe in a God you can't see? I was trying to use human reasoning to prove God. You can't do that. 
Saving faith does not originate, originate there. It originates with God in heaven. Okay? It's a spiritual thing. Let's look at 1 Corinthians 12, verse 3. 1 Corinthians 12, verse 3. <clears throat> the Bible says, Wherefore, I give you to understand that no man speaking by the Spirit of God calleth Jesus accursed, and that no man can say that Jesus is the Lord but by the Holy Ghost. Okay? So no man can, can claim that, you know, Jesus is God using human ideology. Okay? The only way you can get that is the Holy Spirit. And that's what? That's what we're talking about. That's the spiritual world. That's what you cannot see. That's the faith right there. And let's look at Philippians chapter 1. Philippians chapter 1, verse 29. <clears throat> Hang on, I passed it again. There it is. Philippians chapter 1 and verse 29. The Bible says, For unto you it is given in the behalf of Christ, not only to believe on him, but also to suffer for his sake. So who do you believe on? You believe on Jesus Christ. Saving faith is the result of of an operation that the Holy Spirit does on you, right? So the Holy Spirit comes to a sinner, and that sinner has to realize they're a sinner first, okay? So once they realize they're a sinner, then the Holy Spirit does this operation on them, and then they're, they're you have to, you can't be forced into salvation. The sinner has to freely and voluntarily respond to the Word of God. They have to respond to what they hear. And once they freely and voluntarily respond to the call of the Holy Spirit, then they're given that chance to, to salvation. They're given that opportunity to make that decision. Do you want to follow God or do you want to reject Him and walk away? Okay? If you, if you accept Him, you have to accept Him by what? Faith. Faith. He's not going to send you an email or a text. You know, He's not going to call you on the phone and say, Hey, it's time. I want you to get saved. No. The Holy Spirit does that calling. He does that calling. And when you're ready, when you finally submit to Christ and give your life to Him, then that Holy Spirit will do an operation on your heart and change you. And He'll fill you. Okay? It's like He, he cuts you open and He just crawls in. And now He's inside you. Okay? And you're changed. You're a new creature, right? And that's what we're talking about. That's that saving faith. And under conviction from the Holy Spirit... Once that Holy Spirit is really convicting you, and, and that's when we're talking about, Brother, you're saying, if anybody feels the, you know, the call from God today, come down, come down, come down. Okay, but it doesn't happen to happen right here. It can happen anywhere. Whenever that Holy Spirit is convicting you, and that sinner is under that gospel message, and he, 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 you know, he or she has heard it, and they feel guilt, and they, feel, they just feel horrible. Maybe they can't sleep. Maybe they can't eat. I don't know what you're going through, but then at that point... They accept it because they believe now. They have faith. And they know it's not just faith. They know it's personally true. The Bible is true because it rests on what? It rests on the work of Christ on the cross. 
And that's what our Bible is. It's, it's all about faith. Christ died for us to be saved. He died to save us from our sin. But it's all through faith. And, and while the sinner, the sinner believes this, and they, they, and they have the capacity and the ability to, to believe, not because of our human. Not because of our human intellect. You know, I'm not the smartest, you know, what is it, the sharpest rock in the box? Definitely not. You know, Charles, man, he's, he's probably way ahead of me in the intellect. But it's not based on your intellect. It's based on Christ. It's based on what God does for you. It's based on the, the, the ability to understand God and the ability, the capacity to, to accept salvation is not something we do. The Bible says it's a free gift, and it is. It's something that God gives you when he's calling you. He gives you the Holy Spirit. That's, that's it. And the Holy Spirit's spiritual. You have to have faith that that Holy Spirit is real. You know? I mean, there's plenty of people on this earth that believe in ghosts. They have all these stupid ghost chaser shows. You know? Yeah, go chase the demons. Play with them. Because they're real. Oh, you're chasing ghosts, but they're not ghosts. They're demons. You're playing with the spiritual. They're playing a bad game with the spiritual. Okay? You have to have faith in Christ. That's playing a good game with the spiritual. Okay? So let's look at, um, let's look at what saving faith is. What is it like? Okay. So let's look at John chapter 1, verse 12. John chapter 1, verse 12. John chapter 1, verse 12. And the Bible says, But as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. Okay, so it's something that's given to you. It's not something you can do on your own. I can't go build it in my garage. Charles can't type it up on a computer. We cannot, we have no, no control over this. It is something that God gives to you and you have to respond to it through faith. Okay, so what is this saving faith? You have to receive it. It's something you have to receive. Now, if it's something you have to receive, it's also something you can reject. If you really want to go down that road and God's calling you and you just make, take that stand to go, nope, I don't believe in you, God. You took a stand and then you have free will to do that. Okay? But you have to receive saving faith. That's what it's like. It's a faith. It's something you can't see. So let's look at John chapter 4, verse 14. Chapter 4, verse 14, the Bible says, and Jesus is speaking here, says, But whosoever drinketh of the water that I shall give him shall never thirst, but the water that I shall give him shall be in him, a well of water springing up into everlasting life. Jesus is not talking about a physical water here. Okay? He's talking about a spiritual water. He's talking about faith, faith in him, right? And he says you have to drink it. You have to drink this faith. And if you do, you'll never thirst again. You know, that's amazing because I can go get a whole bunch of Ozarko bottle waters and suck them down and I'm still thirsty. You know, 
I even got this one where they came by the, our work and gave out some samples called Smart Water. Man, I drank a lot of that, and I still felt stupid as I did when I started, so it didn't work. But if you drink of this water, Jesus promises you will never thirst again. And he's not talking physical. He's talking spiritual. You'll be spiritually satisfied. You have to drink it, okay? Smart water doesn't work, trust me. Uh, if it did, I'd bathe in it. John chapter 6, verse 37. John 6, verse 37. The Bible says, the Bible says I need to get on the right page. There we go. John chapter 6, verse 37. The Bible says, And that the Father giveth me shall come to me. Oh, I'm sorry. Let me start over. All that the Father giveth me shall come to me. And him that cometh to me I will in no wise cast out. Okay? So if you come to Christ, he says he will not cast you away. So if God calls you, God convicts you, and he pulls on your heart, he's pulling you and pulling you and pulling you. When you finally come to Jesus Christ, he says, I will not cast you away. He says he will accept them all. Remember the Bible tells us that he wants nobody to go to hell. He wants everyone to go to heaven. But you still have a choice, right? So what do you have to do? Right here in this verse, it says you have to come to Christ. You have to come to it. Saving faith is something you have to come to. It's not going to be forced on you. You're not a robot, and you can't be programmed to be saved. It's something you have to come to. Okay? Let's look at John chapter 6, verse 53. Chapter 6, verse 53. And the Bible says, Then Jesus said unto them, Verily, verily. Okay, if Jesus says verily, verily, it's important. Then Jesus said unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Except that you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, ye shall no, ye shall, ye have no life in you. Ye have no life in you. So, is he talking about, when he was telling them this, did they want to go up there and like physically bite Christ? No. He's talking spiritually. That's faith. Something you can't see. Okay? So what is he talking about? You have to eat up this faith. Once it's offered to you and you come to it, then you have to eat this faith up. You have to just, it, it fills you. Okay? Just like if, if, if my wife made a plate of tacos and put them on the table. I would eat till there's no tacos left. And I may lick the plate. I would fill up. Okay? Exact same thing. When this faith is offered to you, it is so sweet. And it is so wonderful that you fill yourself with it. You eat it. You eat it all up. Okay? Let's go to Matthew chapter 11. What else about this saving faith that's offered by Christ? Matthew 11, verses 28 through 30. <clears throat> the Bible says, and, and a lot of people will quote these verses. They're pretty popular, but let's look at them. It's talking about faith here. This is Jesus talking again. It says, come unto me. All ye that labor are and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and ye shall find rest 
unto your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Okay? Is he talking about physical? He's talking about spiritual. Because whether you, you believe in Christ, whether you're an atheist, whether you're a Buddhist, whether you're whatever you are, you are still in a spiritual battle every single day. The spiritual battle, there's, there's demons and angels and they're working, they're fighting. We can't see them, but they're fighting against you. The demons are. They want to drag you down, right? He's talking about spiritual here. This is the faith. He says, come unto me. All ye that are labor and heavy laden. And he'll give you rest. He's not talking about physical. He's talking about mental. You know, when you're not saved and you're under conviction, it's a mental battle. You know, you could even get to the level of having mental disease because you're fighting it. You have to yield to Christ's call. Okay? So what do we have to do? It's talking about right here. You have to obey it. You have to obey that call from God. Because if you don't, you're going to be in a physical battle, a mental battle, a spiritual battle. And you're going to be a most miserable person. You find people that have been miserable all their life, I guarantee you they've never been saved. Because they're fighting. They're fighting. Because every person that's ever been born on this earth or every person that ever will be born, they have a soul. They have a knowledge of Christ. That's why you find people that, that are born way out in a jungle somewhere, have never had a missionary come to them. They've never known anything about God. They've never had the opportunity to hear the word of God. Yet you'll see them worshiping a rock or a stick or a tree. Because there's something in them. They know there's a God. They just don't know which God. But they're going to do something. They're going to worship something. Okay? That's proof of God right there. That's proof of creation. Right? But you have to obey it. Let's go to Galatians 5 7. Galatians 5 7. <clears throat> Galatians 5, verse 7. The Bible says, You did run well. Who did hinder you that you should not obey the truth? The truth of what? Well, the truth of the word of God. But it says right there, it says, you did run well. It's talking about people that got saved, right? You have to run to the faith. You can't just wait till it comes to you and just go, eh, I might believe in God. I might accept salvation. No, when that calling comes, you need to run. You need to run. Because it doesn't say that God will call you always. There may be a point to where you get so callous and so hardened that he's just like, okay, you're on your own. Brother Larry's been teaching about that. You know, those are the reprobate minds. They get so far from God, they're just gone. And that's their choice, okay? You have to run to it. Let's look at Hebrews 5.9. Hebrews 5.9. Hebrews chapter 5, verse 9 says... And being made perfect, he became the author of eternal salvation unto all them that obey him. That obey him. Who obey who? Obeys Christ. Obeys God, right? Well, let's look at one more. Let's look at 1 Peter because it goes right along with this one. 1 Peter one twenty two. Oh, wrong way. There it is. First Peter, 
chapter 1, verse 22. The Bible says, Seeing ye have purified your souls in obeying the truth through the Spirit unto unfeigned love of the brethren, see that you love one another with a pure heart fervently. So what are you supposed to do with this calling, this faith that, that God's offering you? You're supposed to follow it. Go after it. Follow it. And, and is there a difference between, like, saving faith between, like, the Old Testament and the New Testament? You know? Were Old Testament saints uh, saved by works and New Testament saints saved by faith? Well, no. That wasn't the way it was. They didn't do a work salvation. Salvation has always been based on what? It's been based on God's grace, and it's been received by faith. Okay? It's just they were before Christ died, and now we're here after Christ died. But it's all by faith, right? And then the New Testament revealed that faith in Jesus Christ by the Savior, by the one Savior, is required. Okay? In the Old Testament, saints... They didn't know specifically about this Savior. They knew his coming, right? And, and they were expecting the Messiah, but they never saw him. Many of the Old Testament saints lived their lives and died, but never saw Christ. But they had, they had knowledge that he was coming, right? So there is that difference in, in the faith of, of content of faith, you know? I mean, but it's not the means of salvation. They had faith in a Messiah that was coming, we have a faith in a Messiah that has already been here, okay? But it's all by faith, okay? And, and it's kind of, I guess, a different degree of faith or a different aspect of faith, you know? Um, the Bible shows us that various quantities and degrees of faith, right? Faith is not an all-or-nothing proposition, right? It, it, and... and and over time, your faith may be really strong, and then because you kind of slack off, your faith can get weak, right? You can, you can vary in faith. You don't just get saved and you have 120% faith until you die, okay? You can have times in your life when you've slacked off and you're, you maybe even question your faith. You question your salvation at times, right? And how many times have you lie, in your life have you had a real strong, strong faith in Christ, you know, and, and you, were, you felt invincible, you felt like nothing could stop you. And you, that's part of the times you were really on fire for God, right? And you were out there wanting to tell everybody about Christ. You know, and you're just hammering. And then somebody, maybe maybe somebody comes to you and goes, you're a Bible thumper, what's wrong with you? They start throwing water on you and they cool you down. You know, maybe it's something that, you know, what if you got saved and your spouse wasn't saved and you're on fire now and your spouse just constantly throwing water on you? Oh, you're going to go to the church again? Really? Why are you telling me about God? You know, what is your... And, and you, you married this person, so you have, you have some faith in them, right? But here they are throwing water on you. So what's that going to do to your faith? It may bring you down. It may make you feel pretty bad, right? But that's when you start questioning your faith. And what are we doing at that moment? We're taking our eyes off of who? Off of God. We're not trusting what the Holy Spirit can do in us. We're starting to do what? We're starting to think human again, right? We're starting to do, oh, well, you know, maybe I'm a little overboard. You know, oh, boy, my spouse is not talking to me. Now they're sleeping in another room. You know, maybe I shouldn't read my Bible so much. 
What are you doing? You're slipping, right? So let's go to Genesis. Let's look at some of this faith. Genesis 17, 17. Because it started in the beginning, right? Genesis 17, 17. You think about it. Adam and Eve were lucky. There were no mosquitoes. That had to be amazing. No fire ants. Adam was great. He had it all and he, he blew it. Why? Because his faith slipped, right? Genesis seventeen seventeen, The Bible says, Then Abraham fell upon his face and laughed and said in his heart, Shall a child be born unto him that is a hundred years old? And shall Sarah that is ninety years old bear? So what was Abraham doing? God had told Abraham, you will have a son and you'll have a great nation out of this son. But God, I mean, Abraham was questioning God's promise, wasn't he? So was was his faith wavering a little bit? At that point, he was laughing. He didn't have faith that God was going to give him a child. Okay? And and let's look at Genesis 18.12. Genesis 18.12. The Bible says, Therefore Sarah laughed within herself, saying, After I am waxed old, shall I have pleasure, my Lord being, uh, Lord being old also? So here's Sarah. They got to see Christ. You know, God came to them and visited them and talked to them. They had a direct connection, right? Yet Sarah questioned God's promise of this son too, right? They questioned it so much that they did the little uh, go, go hang out with Hagar and have Ishmael thing, right? Which was against God, right? That was a sin. Yet they knew, they, we know they had two sons, right? And one was by what? They had Ishmael because they had no faith in God. And they went on their own and did their own thing. And what happens when we do our own thing? We usually fail. I know I do every time, you know. You fail when you take your eyes off of God and you don't have faith in him, right? But God had already made them a promise. He said, you're going to have a son. It's going to be a great nation. So they failed when they had Ishmael, but they still got Isaac, right? And guess what happened? God kept his promise. He had great nations through both of them children because God is not slack on his promises. He keeps his promises, Okay, but they failed, right? Let's look at Judges, Judges uh, six thirty-seven. Judges six thirty-seven. <clears throat> Judges six thirty-seven. The Bible says, "Behold, I will put a fleece of wool in the floor, and if the dew be on the fleece only, and it be dry upon all the earth beside." Then I shall know that thou wilt save Israel by mine hand, as thou hast said. So what are we looking here? This is old Gideon, right? So was his faith kind of maybe a little weakened at that moment? Right? Because here he does. He puts a test before God. God already told you, Gideon, what was going to happen. But Gideon's like, well, tell you what, God, I'm going to put this fleece on the ground. If you make it wet and all the ground around is dry, then I'll believe you. Is his faith kind of slipping a little bit there? Yeah, it is. Okay? So let's look at Matthew. Matthew chapter 7. Matthew 
Matthew 7. <clears throat> 21 through 23. Matthew 7, 21 through 23. The Bible says, Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven. But he that doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven. Many will say unto me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name? And in thy name, in thy name have cast out devils, and in thy name done many wonderful works? And then will I profess unto them, I never knew you. Depart from me, ye that work iniquity. Ye that work iniquity. So we see here, these are people who, who are acting like Christians, right? They're probably telling everybody they're saved, right? But because they have the wrong faith, they're not saved. And God says, I don't know you. Okay? Let's look at Matthew seventeen twenty. Matthew 17, verse 20. The Bible says, And Jesus said unto them, Because of your unbelief, for verily I say unto you, If you have faith as a grain of mustard, of a mustard seed, ye shall say unto this mountain, Remove hence to yonder place, and it shall be removed, and nothing shall be impossible unto you. Okay, so what do we see here? See, we're here, even the disciples... Even they had some weak faith times. We could look at several of them, right? They had times where they had kind of some weak faith. Yet what did Jesus tell them? He told them right here that they could accomplish anything, anything. He says, nothing would be impossible to you if you have strong faith. If we could find that level of, of faith to obtain that level that's just a mustard seed, which is tiny. God says you could move a mountain. Now, is he being serious? Yes, he was. If you could obtain the level of, of a mustard seed of faith, so if that level of mustard seed will move a mountain, how much, must, how much faith do we have? Because I can't go make a mountain move. But Jesus told us, if you have that much faith, you could walk up to any mountain you wanted to and go move. And that mountain would move. That's power. That's faith, right? So let's look at Mark Chapter 9, verse 24. Mark 9, 24. Mark 9, 24. The Bible says, And straightway the father of the child cried out and said with tears, Lord, I believe, help thou mine, right here, unbelief. Help thou mine. Mine unbelief. So here we see that her father believed, but he admitted. At this moment, he admitted his faith was kind of weak, right? He admitted it to Jesus, right? Because he saw something happening in his son, right? His son had a demon. And he, I'm sure the father's heart was broken for this son. How would you feel if your son had a demon in him? He'd be broken, right? And you'd be begging God to take this demon out. And he admitted to Jesus, he said, my faith is kind of weak. Help it. Help my faith. How often do we call out to Jesus and say, Jesus, help my faith. Please help my faith. Because our faith is going is to wane up and down, right? And then Jesus, he said, just because of that, I'm casting that demon out. The demon has no power against Jesus. They're gone, right? So let's look at Romans 4. 
Romans chapter 4, verse 18. You know, this is all about how much faith do we have. You know, we talk about it, we go to church, and we may pray, we may read our Bible, but do we have that faith? Romans 4, verses 18 through 20. The Bible says, Who against hope believed in hope that he might become the father of many nations according to that which was spoken. So shall thy seed be. And, and being not weak in faith, he considered not his own body, now dead, when he was about a hundred years old, neither yet the deadness of Sarah's womb. <clears throat> he staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strong in faith, giving glory to God. So even though Abraham and Sarah laughed, you know, they, ah, they still had faith in Christ, right? They still had faith in God. And Abraham had that strong faith in God's promise, and he received Isaac as a son because of that faith. Because God had promised him a son, right? Let's look at Romans 14, verse 1. Romans 14, verse 1. The Bible says, Him that is weak in, weak in the faith receive ye, but not to doubtful dispensations. So if we see the Christians, we may be weak in our faith, right? And it is our duty to do what if we see a, Christian, a fellow Christian that's weak in our faith? Lift them up. Encourage them. We have to do what we can to keep them from falling. Because let me tell you, I can tell you from personal experience, once you start sliding down that slide of you're, you're pulling away from God, your faith's kind of waning, you're going to hit bottom, and you're going you're gonna to hit bottom hard. Okay? Trust me, you will. So if you see a brother or sister that's headed down that road, you need to use every effort you can to pick them up. Stop them from falling. Okay? Let's look at 1 Corinthians 13, 2. 1 Corinthians 13, 2. You know, and I think about, we're talking about faith, and I always think about, about um, David and Goliath. I mean, that's the classic example. A little bitty boy, teenager, going against this huge warrior. You know, he picked up three stones, and he only needed one. You know? If, 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 that, if I was in that same situation and it wasn't David, if they said, hey, Keith, come here, you skinny little boy, go fight that guy. You've lost your mind. In fact, y'all might want to run because that's what I'm getting ready to do. Right? But how much faith did it have for a little teenage boy to go out there in front of all these armies? You know? Imagine the peer pressure. I mean, just being in front of all those people. And you're going you're gonna, to, you know, this glass yelling at you and you're like... You've disrespected my God. Come and get it. One stone, and he was done, right? That's faith, right? So let's look at 1 Corinthians 13, verse 2. The Bible says, And though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and, and though I have all faith so that I could remove mountains and have not charity, I am nothing. So we could have all the faith in the world to where we could move mountains, but if we don't love each other like Christ taught us to, we have nothing, nothing. And that's what love is supposed to be. We're supposed to have love for our fellow Christians. We're supposed to have love for our family. We're supposed to have love for our friends. But guess what else Jesus taught us? He said you're supposed to love strangers 
and you're even supposed to love your enemies. That's hard, right? You think about this, faith is hard. Imagine loving people that hate you, that talk mess about you, that, that stab you in the back constantly, you know? That's the kind of love Christ says we're supposed to have for each other because he wants us to do what? He wants you to go to those people that do like you and the ones that hate you and tell them about him. So why? So they can have the same faith. So they can have saving faith and they can come to him in salvation. Let's look at James chapter 2. James chapter 2. And y'all are almost done with me. James 2, verses 19 through 20. The Bible says, Thou believest that there is one God. I love these verses right here. Thou believest that there is one God. Thou doest well. The devils also believe and tremble. But will thou, will thou know, O vain man, that faith without works is dead? So, you can get to the point where you believe there is one God, one true God. You can be saved. And you can receive him in salvation and, and be a Christian. And that's great. So that's, that's awesome. But the devils believe and they tremble. Do you tremble? Are you scared of this one powerful God? Are you scared enough to obey him in his word, right? But faith is more than just believing in God. Like we say here, even the devils believe and they're afraid. So you can say, yeah, there's one God. I believe that Jesus died. You can, you can believe all of it. But if you don't have faith, it means nothing. It's absolutely nothing. There are some Bible scholars that can probably quote this Bible from front to back, yet they're not saved because they don't have faith. Right? How many people say that they believe in God, but there's no change in their lives? And that's what it's talking about here. It works. It's not talking about working your way to salvation. It's talking about once you believe in Christ and you accept Him as your Savior and you have this faith you say you have, does your life change? Are you a new creature in Christ? Okay? True Christians... They, they ha who have faith, God will show it in their lives. You will see it and in their behavior. It will be in your words. It will be in how you treat others. And it will be in their works that they do for God the Father who is in heaven. Okay, so where is your faith? You need to think about that. Okay, let's pray real quick. <clears throat> Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, I come to you once again just to thank you for this moment to open your word to just learn about faith, Lord, and I ask you to help us just to examine our faith, Lord, and just help us have a stronger faith, Lord, and just be with us the rest of this day, Lord. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.